everyone, and welcome to episode 612 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd, along with Joe. How are you doing today, Joe? I'm learning how a lot of things work uh, today, and I still have a lot of questions. You're just uh, a questions-asking guy. Right, I'm a just-asking-questions guy. So, like, the, uh, you know, like when you have a, 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 a cup with a drink in it? has ice in it you know and then you get the condensation on the outside of the glass yeah so i i some i I just thought to myself uh you know if there was booze inside the glass and then you get that condensation to somehow for the transformative properties does that like sweat on the outside of the glass also have booze in it as well in other words you're about to lick the outside of your glass aren't you well, no. So what I was about to do was, as I picked up the glass and the sweat of, from the glass fell on my desk mm-hmm. where I record the podcast, and it left it there, and I'm like, does hmm. this have booze in it? <laughs> I don't have a problem. All right. No, listen. No, I have I... two giant drinks a week, and that's it. Right, right. They're before this show, but okay. Right. Oh, one on a Tuesday and one on a Thursday. Wonder what I do on those days that cause me to drink. What do you do when you do all those other podcasts, Joe? I don't do any more podcasts. Oh, that's right. You're done. Just well, gonna let's s- just do this one then. What right. I'm going to start charging for podcasts. Well, there you go. Um, but would you like to know what we're going to have the talk about today? I mean, the comic talk, if you will, <laughs> Joe. Yes. In news, DC and their omnibus hijinks again. Um, who is passing on San Diego Comic Con? And more Miracle Man, thanks to us, question mark. Um, also, cons, uh, what we read last week, which is I Hate This Place, number two, and Nightwing, uh, number three. What we're looking forward to this week, the Silver Standard of Rogues Galleries, a.k.a. Todd and Joe Go Rogue. Um, and finally, at the end, uh, spoiler-filled talk of the Obi-Wan Kenobi finale and the latest episodes of both Ms. Marvel and The Boys. How many episodes of The Boys do we have left? One or two after this? Uh, I believe we have two. Two? Yes, this one was number six, I believe. Gotcha. I always like to double-check to see how things are coming along with those boys. Oh, the, how are they going to get out of this one, Joe? Oh, they certainly are the Duke boys, yes. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so it's been a while, uh, Todd, mm-hmm. in that uh, DC fouled up a printing of something. Uh, they are redoing omnibuses of 100 Bullets from uh, Brian Azzarello and Edward Riso. And this last one uh, was supposed to be issues 59 to 100 plus the Brother Lono Maxi series. Right. At least eight issues that I know. Right. Eight issues. Right. Um, But instead, they just completely left that entire thing out. Right. Uh, The miniseries, the eight issue miniseries. Which isn't the worst thing. Right. Because it's not like they messed up pages or they got, like, uh, the art wrong or anything. But, you know, it was solicited for those eight issues, and they're not in there. And other than the fact that I would like to have my omnibus to have it all in the two omnibuses, 
um, instead of having two Omnibuy and a hardcover. Um, but I'm sure they're returnable, Joe. So. Right. Well, I was going to say there or a two Omnibus and a hardcover or a trade paperback, both of which are out of print. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I get you and things change for a reason. And, you know, we've talked before in the past and different printings of Hitman trades. Different issues have been in different printings as they've come along right. uh, for whatever reason. But something like this very clearly stating it's like it's these issues to this, these issues and this eight issue miniseries. And I could see if at some point they re-solicited things or send something out to retailers saying like, hey, it's not going to have these eight issues in it for whatever the reason is. You know, hopefully this is enough time to notify the people that ordered it or it's eight issues less. So it's going to be a little bit cheaper. Right. Or, you know, hey, we messed up and we're going to re-solicit this. So it's going to be like an extra month or two so that we can get the full thing out of it. It just feels as though like DC was like, yeah, you're going to get these eight issues in here. This omnibus comes out. They're not in there. And you just have to deal with it. Right. Because I remember when I was buying, when they were doing all the, they're doing the Bronze Age Omnibuy. Um, they had like the, the Swamp Thing one and a, and a Phantom Stranger one. And then they were doing the Jonah Hex one. And it was like, okay, we're going to just do the Omnibuy. And it's going to have all the two all-star Western, his first two appearances. Then it's going to have all the weird Western tales. And it's going to have the first 20 of the ongoing Jonah Hex that spun out of it. And then they just, at least like, I was like, okay, I'm going to buy that. There's no way I'm not going to. But then there was like a press release. It was like, no, uh, we're, we're not doing it that way. We're going to cancel orders and we're going to put out just the weird Western hardcover. If we ever do, they never mention anything if they're going to do the Jonah Hex ones. But I'm like, at least I was given the opportunity to get out or figure out what I'm doing. This just seems like, like you said, seems like dirty pool, man. But, uh. Uh, we'll see. And, unless, you know, it's fully returnable. Yeah. Um, so, San Diego Comic-Con is happening this year mm -hmm. for the first time in two years. Uh, you know, they did the fake one in November, but, like, <laughs> the capital V San Diego Comic-Con, like, the talk or the comic book talk. Uh, is happening, and Warners is going to have a few smattering things uh, there. They're going to have, like, the prequel for the Game of Thrones series. Uh, they're going to have, like, a Q&A for Sandman. They're going to preview the final, one of the final episodes of the last season of Riverdale. But there's going to be no Warner, like, presence on the floor. Right. Which, in turn, means no HBO presence on the floor which in turn means no DC presence on the floor of San Diego Comic-Con. Which is shocking. Which is crazy. Um, because, like, there's a couple of things that I've been thinking about this. One is, um, all right, uh, at Marvel, for, for the most part, at San Diego, they're, they're there on the floor as the comic company. They're not going to be there as much as the movie company and TV show stuff because they're like... We could move that stuff over to D23 and like we get money for that and we get eyes on that. So why should we share it with San Diego? I'm like, okay, I get that. But DC like having next to nothing just blows my mind. And it takes me back to when I'd be going to New York Con and uh, the definitive 
Colonel Sanders artist was talking to me before we went to New York many, 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 many years ago. And he's like, I just found out that they're not going to have DC on the main floor of the show. I said, that's weird. And he was like, oh, they're going to be out on in the hallway, kind of like, and they're going to have the whole thing. And they were selling it to him as, well, we have our own area. We're not congested on the floor, you know, where everybody is. And we're going to have our own little bit. And they'd have costumes and they would have like, uh, here's all the Superman and Batman costumes. And then they would have like the table for like the artists and signings and stuff like that. And then like a little merch table. And I'm like, that sounds horrible. And he's like, no, no, they're doing it so they can have their own spot. It's like their own little con. And I'm like, that's saving money is what that is. That's probably way cheaper out there than prime real estate on the floor. And now we're to the point where they're not, you know, at New York, uh, at San Diego um, at all on the main floor, which is what the biggest comic con and thing makes me think there won't be any DC comic stuff at New York at all. It just seems, I don't know, it just seems like we're getting further and further away from Warner Brothers slash DC wanting to do anything with Comic-Cons. Yeah, and again, so I have my theories in regards that you. I know that you said that obviously Marvel, you know, they haven't announced anything that they aren't going to have a presence, so one would assume that they are going to have a presence. Um, but the Warner thing, and, and again, it's not the fact that they're not going to have stuff there. Just as I'm doing like a little researching, they're going to mm-hmm. have, um, you know, I mentioned some of the other stuff like the Sandman thing, the Game of Thrones prequel, the Riverdale. Uh, they're going to have like previews of the n- new season of the Harley Quinn animated series. They're going to have game stuff there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to have AEW people there because they're all under the Warner umbrella. But not having like that that dedicated DC section. Yep. You know, even like CW under their umbrella, like none of the CW shows are being representative. You know, the Hall of Wigs for <laughs> Legends of Tomorrow sadly will not be there. It'll just have to stay in my closet. Right. Like you said, other than Riverdale, which is a CW show. So So um is this a vote of no confidence for the publication line and then in turn a vote of no confidence seen as a vote of no confidence for what we consider DC comics and therefore like movies and TV shows, or do you think, and again, this is me speculating, asking questions, throwing out wild theories out there. If they keep a low profile this year, then they don't have to answer questions about all the Ezra Miller flash stuff. Um, I think that could be a part of it. But I'm going to stand by and like I I don't ha- I don't have time like to go into it even though this is our podcast so we can go as long as we want right um it's just that seeing over the years Warner Brothers nickel and dime the thing like just going str- like they didn't just go straight to being out in the hallway at New York Comic Con they went from having a booth as big as as Marvel to having like half a booth the size of Marvel, to having a quarter, to being out on the thing, to uh, every year at New York Comic Con, they would have a big party for anybody who worked for DC. And, you know, that was at the show. You can come. You're an employee. Come. Like mostly the creators and stuff like that. But that would get like from talking to people over the years who have gone for years, um, how it got crappier and crappier, the party. And I just think it comes down to until there, there's none now. There's no party at Marvel. There's just like a handshake and a high. Um, just 
I, I like I said, it comes down to nickel and diamond and them leaving like, you know, that, dis- that discovery deal. Now, anytime there's a new deal, where can we cut money? Where can we, you know, get into the black on these books? Th- that's where I definitely think we're at. And it's a shame to see it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So hopefully uh, they'll pivot and maybe see the air of their ways and then come New York, maybe they'll have, you know, maybe they'll not be in the hallway. They'll be in the vestibule or something. Right, you know? They'll be out in the parking lot. I'm going to call my shot now, Joe. Yeah. And say there's going to be almost next to nothing. They won't even have the hallway at DC or uh, at New York Comic Con. It's going to be next to nothing for DC and Warner Brothers. Yeah. Still doesn't make it any less of a bummer, you know? No, it doesn't. I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, but last but not least in the news, we kind of talked about it a couple of weeks ago and smatterings here and there. Uh, but with the official um, announcement of Miracle Man, the Silver Age saga coming this October from Neil Gaiman and Mark Buckingham with issue three of the book is where we're going to get the previously unseen material from over 30 years ago and then in all the solicitations it says the wait is over just in time for the 40th anniversary of miracle man's modern era blah 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 let's not talk about the 30 year plus solicitation of these books that are now finally coming out right it absolutely blows my mind you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but it makes me wonder will we you know because looking at the uh the the news it's like oh this is going to be this is going to be reprinting what we got of the Silver Age story because that's what, you know, was the the Mark Buckingham slash Neil Gaiman story. And they're like, issue two, I guess, was going to be like the the new story. But I'm guessing it's like a three or whatever miniseries. So does that mean that that they have another story involved, if that makes any sense? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, I, it, it's not 100% clear. It does say that everything has been sorted out. Uh, It says that this was supposed to initially come out six years ago uh, when Marvel first acquired the licensing. Um, But, yeah, it just says that the first unpublished material from 30 years ago will be in the December issue uh, three. Right. Makes me wonder if, like, there'll be a fourth, like I said, just with new stuff is what I'm trying to say. To make it a little clearer. Like, because I can imagine Neil, like, who knows? Neil might have – I mean, when we did uh, previewing the past, there was like, you know, they solicited a 26, but like 25 I knew was done and and written and drawn. But I'm wondering if it's like, oh, okay, we have this 26. Mark, you want to draw? You know what I mean? Like, so who knows? Right. That's that's my take on it. Hopefully we'll get more. So uh, like we said, uh, Marvel could finally have that second big Neil Gaiman book under their belt. Exactly. Uh, So that's all we got in news. Uh, There are a couple conventions this weekend. Uh, One relatively close to us, Eternal Con in Hempstead, New York. Right. Uh, More of a media convention as Lee Majors and Lindsay Wagner are going to be there. Woohoo, a bionic team up if I've ever saw one. For sure. And I know just a few weeks ago you thought Lee Majors was dead. How foolish do you look? What a remarkable, remarkable recovery, Joe. Yes. Uh, and then Fan Expo uh, Denver uh, is happening this weekend as well. Uh, media guest side, uh, you've got uh, William Zabka, a.k.a. Sensei Lawrence, uh, Martin Cove, uh, who plays Crease in the Karate Kid stuff, 
Corey Feldman is going to be there. The Clerks 3 crew, after taking a couple weeks off of conventions, Kevin Smith, Jason Mewes, the whole lot of them are going to be there. Uh, then, uh, comic book-wise, it's some pretty heavy hitters, I'd say. Um, yep. Kevin McGuire, Simon Bisley, uh, aforementioned Brian Azzarello, Ryan Otley, and Jim Lee. Uh, this makes me feel as though um, Fan Expo is attempting to kind of stack these shows creator-wise to make someone who says their shows aren't good eat their words. Uh, what do you, I mean, because you know, he's known for, you know, taking stuff back. So I see it coming any day now. Right. If there's anything that the Rob does is admit when he's wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And show humility and humbleness in the face of being shown wrong. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Not a man child in any way, shape, or form. No. You know, I things had gotten a little lean on my podcast, and I was thinking to myself the other day, I'm like, do I dare tip my dip my toe back into the waters of Rob's observations? <laughs> do I dare dip my nose back into yes. these podcasts? Hmm. I feel as though I might have to dip my nose in. I mean, if I did go back. Right. Um, now, if you do go back, are you going to once again, to, to, you know, do your little point by point? Uh, I feel as though I would have to. Right. Like legally, you know. Like Rob Point Two O or something. Yeah. Well, it'd just be Rob Sir Recaps is back, you know, sort of thing. But we'll yeah. see. We'll see. Always flowed right off the tongue, that title. Yeah. This is very... Uh, but yeah, if you're in the area of either one of those conventions, the links to those will be in the show notes uh, of this episode, along with information about the soon to be named network at soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com. Uh, all the shows in the soon to be named network. Anytime they go live, of course, you could find them at their individual sites. Of course, you could find them on the podcatcher of your choice. But soon-to-be-named-network.com is a nice, handy-dandy, one-stop shop for all the shows in the soon-to-be-named network. That includes Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, At Odds with Wrestling, Profane Arguments, Puzzle Warriors 3, We Need Wrestling, Wings on Wings, Hit My Music, Porch Talk. Mm -hmm. I think that's everything. I think it is. Uh, and then anytime any of those folks from those shows go on other shows and they let me know about it. Uh, then they will appear there. I know Adam was just recently uh, guest hosting on Final Wrestling Place. Uh, David from Hit My Music was on Final Wrestling Place the week before that. Adam is, again, angling to be on some other show uh, coming up here in the near future. He's always got a lot of irons in the fire, that boy, I tell you. Right. Um, my, I was. I didn't have any service, or I think I would have been on Final Wrestling Place. Right. But, uh, you know, they couldn't get in touch with me, so. I did privately, and now will publicly uh, put you over for naming literally dozens of people that were on the Batch of the Brewery show. <laughs> oh, I was ra I was just, just like a machine gun. Right. Just rattling them off. One of these days, I'm going to have you do these plugs. You start showing off. I'm going to have you do more on the podcast. All right. You, you know what? I'll do the plugs. Get ready to edit the show longer into the night show. Okay. Fair enough. 
Uh, be sure to check out our friends and all the stuff that they're doing online. Uh, check out Mike Sterling's Progressive Ruin blog. Be sure to check out Kevin Hellion's Mass Library blog. Uh, check out Rick Williams' free karate chops store, envy.com. Uh, Jason Sandberg's Jupiter, Chris Runt's Battle Monsters, listeners of the show, all of their creative endeavors. We link them up here in the show notes. And hey, if you don't have a comic book shop in your area or you don't have a good comic book shop in your area, let our comic book shop be your comic book shop. Comics on the Green, Dave and the crew do a lot of their wheelings and dealings and notifications over on Facebook. That's his social media of choice. Uh, Look for the deals, look for upcoming announcements, look how to sign up. For the mail order subscription service, get your book sent to you weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, and however it is that you do pick, there's a chance that you're going to get uh, a sketch from our good friend Becky. You can go check out her social media uh, for her process, her prints, all the stuff. She was just working on uh, doing a commission off a variant cover for someone of Rogue, and uh, I was really just fascinated to see her process and discussing the pens and the stuff, you know, you know, you know, the blank covers that you can get mm-hmm. for comic books. And she was just kind of expressing not displeasure, but like her thought process and what was going into what types of pens she was choosing and why, and like her experience with using like, Oh, well the DC ones with these and the Marvel ones yep. with these. So just a lot of very interesting information. If you are interested in that sort of uh thing be sure to check out all this all and it'll all be in the show notes all these links every single one of these episodes no matter how you get the episodes yes so mr todd let's get into what we uh read from this past week and i assume we're going to start with the book that we were both looking forward to which was i hate this place number two yes uh written by kyle starks art by artram toplin yes swing that's how it's said um uh since last issue, uh, what was their names? Gabby and Trudy. I have that written down. Look at me having notes. Um, are you know thinking about the how the house is kind of haunted slash cursed and what they're going to do about it? So they decide to go on the road and see a psychic, and whether or not uh, you believe in psychics, uh, this doesn't go quite according to plan, and it's kind of uh, creepy. And the art in that section is. I actually really like it. The coloring and uh, the way like uh, it goes wrong just looks really, really cool. Meanwhile, back on the farm, the hands are, you know, doing stuff. And uh, the two, the two, the two women, the main uh, protagonists are like, should we have left them alone? Like, Oh, they can handle it. And we end up getting more into, uh, I believe the man's nickname is itchy. um, The guy who uh, pulled a heist earlier in the thing and then got, double crossed and he's looking for the money and we get a flashback of how he gets to be the farmhand. Like it makes no, like we're not sure this explains it all very creepily and boy, we get to learn uh, more about him. Um, so we end up, uh, they end up heading back and when they do it's nighttime and they realize they told him uh, one of the, the hands to leave, um, but he didn't. Um, so all the uh, ghosts show up and things start happening. I don't want to give too much away, but uh, there's, you know, they attack uh, the, the the ranch hand and something happens. And it's interesting and kind of like not confusing in the way that it's supposed to be. 
Um, you're like, okay, I'm not sure what happens to people who are attacked by this stuff, but uh, it's kind of cool. I want to learn more. And then uh, throughout the book, we find that we see commercials for this psychic hunter TV show, ghost hunter thing. And it's like, oh, they're going to, looks like they're going to uh, call him in. Um, the one thing that kind of stood out for me is when they go see the psychic, um, the psychic says back, back to that little bit. Um, she's like, Oh, like, prove, like, well, I can show you my powers. Like, I remember when you guys met, uh, you, you were never supposed to meet something happened that should not have happened. And they're like, Oh, it's a, a flat tire because some weird stuff happened with the psychic. I feel this part of the thing is she was right. We're going to find out something is a miss about the way they met, if that makes any sense. But overall, um, I, you know, I'm a Kyle Starks guy, so I'm not going to, uh, you know, say anything bad about the book. I love it. Not being a, like his first non like comedy, like more of a straight horror. I like this and I'm not a horror guy. This was a, a, a great second issue. There's, there are jokes in here. There are one liners, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, there's the bit where the uh, ranch hands are talking, and the one guy says, "If I robbed the bank, you know what I would do with my money? I'd spoil me some Russian cam girls." <laughs> yeah. And like that's that's a fun line, right? Right. Um, I love the coloring in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, of all the things that I love about this book, um, you know what is going on and what characters are doing things, and you know what of the creeps and critters and crawlers that are haunting this place, which we learned in issue one is all of them. Um, I feel as though like everyone has their own specific color scheme when they're on the attack Mm -hmm. would be the best way. And I think that adds so much to the visual aspect of the book and the bit that you mentioned with the tarot card reader. Yep. Uh, That is going to be the moment of not only this issue, but of, I would say maybe this book, like if you were going to give anyone like an idea of what this book was, just to give them a pitch of what they're in store for, Mm -hmm. you give them those three or four pages, whatever that is, right? Right. It starts off as the cliche that everything is ever done in regards to a tarot card deck where they draw the first card or the death card comes up and the Mm -hmm. person doing it is like, no, no, that's a good card. Because that means change or that means whatever, right? Right. And again, I don't want to give away the gag and I don't want to give away what happens. Um, But it's one of those things that comes across, you know, not only creepy, not only disturbing, not only gory and violent. But as I'm reading this, I can close my eyes and picture this happening on TV in a movie, yep. something mm-hmm. like, like I don't like, I don't like when creators write or draw for TV or movies, but when it works, it works. Right. And, and you could see, it's like, Oh, when they do this eventually as a mini series or a TV show or something, that's going to pop. Yes. One can only hope uh, that our good friend Kyle could be so lucky that this gets optioned into something that makes him a ton of money. I know other stuff of his has been optioned and the options have just kind of come and gone. But um, obviously our two leads are doing their best to try to work through uh, the inheritance. And we got a few other extra characters in here that have their own little subplots going on. Uh, 
I really enjoy this book. Uh, you know, Todd said he's not a horror guy. If horror is not your thing, uh, I say give this a try. And, yep. you know, I, I do appreciate any and all of you that have listened to us and given this book a look. Yep. And side note, nothing to do with this book. After the show, I'm going to tell you something about comic book options. I have it written down. We'll talk. All right. All <laughs> right. Uh, so the other book that we read from this past week would be uh, Nightwing number 93, written by T- uh, Tom Taylor with art by Bruno Redondo. Why do I feel when they did like that little bit of a crossover that maybe Redondo missed an issue or two? He did because he was doing the Son of Kal-El books. Right. And I will say, while Redondo missed an issue or two here, I missed him on this book. Yeah. Uh, he is such a perfect fit for this book. I know we're kind of gushing in regards to the art and the books that we read this week. Um, but this is, we get, the the the, the story is bookended by uh, a battle between uh, our new villain, the, the heart guy, whose name escapes me. Right. And Blockbuster. And the middle section is Dick and Barbara working together to show uh, how the cops are super corrupt in Bloodhaven. Mm, could be. Could be. Uh, so I really enjoy this book. This book is great. Uh, another book where the art is just one of the most beautiful things that you'll ever see. And I am and have always been a sucker for Dick Grayson. And anytime that you could work the Dick Grayson, Barbara Gordon relationship stuff into this, uh, them working together, Dick trying to clean up Bloodhaven, uh, and then we get, was it in, yes, it was in this issue where Dick has the meeting with Lex Luthor as well, correct? Um, no, or I my, thought that that was in something else. Or that was in, that, up with, that was in, right, that was in uh, Son of Kal-El. Right, yes. Okay, so forget that, scratch that, reverse it. Um, but yeah, this book is a lot of fun and not to say that it's any less fun when the main artist, Bruno Redondo is, is not on the book, but I think he just adds so much more to the story that's being told. Yes. I'm with you. All this stuff, like, you know, all the praises for Tom Taylor's writing, but like, you know, this is one of the, and one of the few books where I'm like, I will praise the artist more every time even though they're both like super talented, but I'm with you, Bruno Redondo. Whenever he's off this book, he's sorely missed. And then like coming back and just like you said, the, the, the Dick Grayson slash Barbara Gordon stuff, when they're working together, there's one page, there's always something that Bruno Redondo does like in everything that's going on where Dick Grayson's running, you know, from people chasing him to, you know, standing up to the corrupt police. There's always like a moment that, that really stands out, whether, whether it's super small or just impressive or whatever. And this is the one where uh, he's Barbara helps him solve the case nonchalantly. We don't get the reveal. We just get that he's forming his plan. And he ends up says, like, you're incredible. And then he says three little words after that. And you're like, oh, boy. And that I'm just like the faces. You know what? I'm going to give this maybe the highest praise and say Bruno Redondo may, might be my fav- favorite facial expression artist since a certain... Uh, artist from back in the 80s and 90s, Joe. Um, he's very got a very Kevin Maguire-like thing when he does the facial expressions. And that really popped for me, or really stood out for me in this issue. Yes. Uh, very expressive, very clean. Uh, just uh, just amazing art. 
So uh, that is what we read this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. Uh, If you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around noon, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them mailed to your home, whether you get them digitally, however it is, you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Um, Todd is currently in the lead over me with five correct guesses. Yep. And uh, I already made some corrections. I just need to make a few more now. Okay. I don't know what you need to to correct. I'm looking at it. But uh, I'm looking at yours. As long as everything is correct on yours, I'm going to make my call. Um, is it, uh, the book you're looking forward to most variants? Number one. Yes. Uh, with the caveat of, uh, our local shop site has it on the list. Diamond has it on their list. The two different sites that I check for variant covers all have it on their list for coming out this week. You know what site doesn't have it on their list for coming out this week? Marvel. Marvel site has it coming out in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, Now, that is not an update of a solicitation date. This late June date is actually a move back from the original date. So I'm going to bank on everyone else says that it's in stock as opposed to the company itself. Uh, As we've decried here before in the show, Marvel and DC uh, do a lackluster job on their own company comic book websites. Let me just say this. I know for a 100% fact, Variant is out. Okay, right. So that's the thing. Enough other sources say that it's out this week that I could go against the people who actually put the book out and say, your book is out this week. I'm just adding one more source. I did a journalism job. I'm going to say that's the book you're also most looking forward to coming out this week as well. It is. It is. Right. Uh, Gail Simone coming back, doing some stuff at Marvel. Um, and it's about Jessica Jones and I really like Jessica Jones. And typically when she has been written by people who are not my Brian Michael Bendis, it doesn't work out so well. Right. But I have a lot of faith in Gail Simone could tackle whatever the plan of this book is. And I don't know what the plan of this book is. I just know it's a Jessica Jones book written by Gail Simone, and that's really all I need to know. And I'm going to throw this on top. I don't know anything about – I'm with you on everything you said. I'm on board about the whole, like, writers on Jessica Jones, everything. But then you put Gail Simone on, who's got a bit of a track record that we like. Then you throw Phil Noto on art. I'm like, this book's going to look good, <laughs> too. Right. So we might become – we might be become, slowly becoming an art podcast, Joe. That's a, it's a lot of art talk on this week's episode, for sure. Right. Uh, so while you're over at longboxheroes.com, of course, you can check out all the other stuff that we've done, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark. And you could check out the current ongoing replacement for Todd and Joe Have Issues, a.k.a. Todd and Joe Go Rogue, a.k.a. The Silver Standard, where Todd and I, with you, the listeners, help determine who has the second best rogues gallery in all of comics. Flash, of course, has number one rogues gallery. I guess they all knew uh, what Ezra Miller was up to all those years ago. (laughs) Um, So we're attempting to determine who is the second best, whether it be Batman or Spider-Man. And this week, the bouncer moves on to the next round. Close one. Uh, 
that's what I get for uh, giving it the signal boost. But again, I be I'm I'm honest. Uh, you know, nine o'clock on nine o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday, I'll give that thing the signal boost, even if it bites me in the uh, rear end. You know. Yep, I think it was a great thing that you did giving it a signal boost, Joe. Um, I think, like you said, you bounced Paper Doll right out of the winner's bracket. Right, right. And I may have done like a little more clandestine, you know, individual targeted uh, promotion for it, but it did not work out, but that's okay. Look at you trying to, you know, stage a coup, Joe. What about Cujo? (laughs) Cujo. Good dog. Good dog. Uh, So Bouncer moves on. Uh, This week's matchup is one of my folks that moved on from the previous round, The Ringer, taking on one of uh, Todd's picks. Right. Would you like to do anything about The Ringer before we go? Nice, The Ringer. He sucks. (laughs) Okay. So we've moved on to my villain, who's made only one appearance in, you know, uh, Earth Prime in the DC Universe. Probably probably wiped out uh, with Crisis. Um, doesn't count anymore. He's that famous rogue, um, Mr. Camera, Joe. You know Mr. Cam- camera. Wears a suit and a giant camera on his head. Um, I don't think the camera takes pictures or nothing. But uh, he goes around and does uh, camera-related crimes because, well... That's what you do when you're Mr. Camera. And he has, um, it even says Mr. Camera was so named because of the curious camera lens helmet he wore. And because he employed all sorts of photographic devices in his criminal raids. And the people are like, oh, blinding lights, can't see. He's like, ha strobe lights. He's like, brighter than flashbulbs. Uh, with our special tinted glasses, we'll be able to get away. And then, like, he would just be... Uh, go to like steal at the Gotham City camera show and Batman just ends up going after him and then at one point in like a side part of this story uh, Mr. Camera has this idea to rob a camera themed thing and Batman and Robin are like well we'll go because he's going to be there but they go as Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson so they're like oh he's robbing the place let's go out into the alleyway and change into our costumes um and uh they end up chasing mr camera but he gets away and uh they chase him to his but they end up finding him and he's at this uh his hideout which has a giant projector in it because that's what you do they end up beating him up and and handing him his you know camera hat and everything um he tries to get him with a super giant hot and bright projector light but batman sees that coming a mile away um they they go to take him in they're like oh by the way you know that uh, that I had a camera in the alleyway because I like to film my crimes? And if you guys happen to change in that alleyway, I'm going to know your secret identity. And I hid the film, even though you got me and are taking me to jail. That's going to be out there. Somebody's going to find that film someday. And you're going to, you're going to, you know, your, your thing's going to be taken over. And, and he's like, and Dick Grayson's like, oh my God, that alleyway. And he's like, see, I know you, you, you gave it away. You're. You, you did change in that alleyway. Ha ha, I'm happy to go to jail. So through a series of events that don't that you don't even need to know about. The story keeps going on for another three pages after this. Um, they find the film and they're like, we had nothing to worry about because Mr. Camera, his one gimmick is cameras. He didn't set the setting right on the camera. So the film was overexposed. So their faces were washed out and it doesn't matter. And that like, they find that film off panel. I'm like, Mr. Camera sucks. 
Such a terrible gimmick. And I know what you're going to say. Oh, it would be so great if it was on the D- the, the Batman 66 show. How great would Mr. Cameron be? Well, you know what? He wasn't. He was just in the comic, and it sucks. All right. So that's not what I was going to say. <laughs> what I was going to say was uh, I think he has made multiple appearances on Batman Brave and the Bold. One. Which is, go ahead. Well, again, listen. Not multiple, uh, one. Well, again, uh, good enough to make it on to arguably, you know, one of the best Batman uh, animated series outside of Batman, the animated series. Uh, so good enough to make it there. Uh, I do know if even if cameras are your gimmick, developing film even now, let alone in the 50s or 60s, is a rough, uh, is a rough uh, ho- road to hoe. And lastly, I will say, guy wearing a camera on his head, you ain't winning this tournament. If your head was an actual camera, maybe we're talking. Tell your story walking. The ringers got this guy beat, no problem. No, I think Mr. Camera <laughs> is going to be taking pictures in the winning circle, Joe. Right, he'll be taking pictures of the winner, not him. Ugh. But, like you said, the one thing I do have to say is, like, developing film is tough. He never got it developed. He just... Because he, he hit it. He's like, oh, I got to get back to my hideout. He puts it off on the side. So Batman and Robin, who are experts in everything, developed the film. And they said, no, the Cam- Mr. Cameron had all the settings wrong. So he was stupid. If that's your gimmick, that's like the ringer not being able to ring, Joe. Oh, my God. Stop it. All right. Cameron sucks. Well, it'll be up to you, the listeners, to make the decision of who moves on to the next round here in the tournament. Uh, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, of course, be sure to check out our store where you can get shirts and pins and stickers with our fancy logo on them. Uh, you can head over to our T Public store and get more designs inspired by this show. Uh, After Dark, uh, Adults with Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, Hit My Music on everything from cell phone covers to notebooks and everything in between. Uh, you could even go sign up for our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash longboxheroes. As little as a dollar a month, you get a ton. You get two bonus shows uh, from Todd and I. One, our movie show. Every year it's a different uh, theme. This year it's the films of independent filmmaker Mark Pirro. Um We also do Previewing the Past, where we look at 30 years ago this month's previews catalog. We're looking at 1992. We just passed Image Month with all the issues (laughs) that had the coupons where you could send in to get Image Zero. This upcoming month, the next one that we do is the debut of the 2099 universe. We're two months away from the death of Superman. Like, this is the era of comics that, like, comics blew up. Huge. And the bubble would just keep getting bigger and bigger and never burst ever, as far as I'm concerned. Um, You could also look at high-quality professional scans of those previews catalogs uh, done by a team of professionals, I would even go as far as to say. Right. Now, wasn't Mr. Camera? No, no, because then they'd be a mess. Right. Then people would be just putting blank pages in there, (laughs) stuff upside down. They'd be a disaster. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. but all of that for a buck, $5 is going to get you those shows earlier, uh, usually about two weeks earlier than everybody else. And it's also going to get you after dark two days before everyone else. So you can listen to these shows in the correct listening order. Right. Uh, you could also help us out by making any and all of your purchases through our Amazon click through. 
Uh, banners at the top of the page, longboxheroes.com. The link is in the show notes to every single one of these episodes. Again, no matter where it is that you get the episodes. They, Amazon, call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the money. Yeah. Some of the notable purchases for the Amazon click-through this past week include Tron, the original classic two-disc Blu-ray combo. Ooh. Uh, Somebody also did the pre-order of the Pokemon Scarlet and Violet uh, for the Nintendo Switch that's coming out this November. Okay. Uh, I wait to see when they do, because right now they're just doing the combo packs. One, and then two, every retailer that you do your pre-order with gives you, like, a different pre-order bonus thing. Mm -hmm. And so far, all the pre-order bonuses that we're aware of all kind of suck right now. So I'm waiting to see what the best pre-order bonus is going to be. But luckily, you got it through our uh, Amazon click-throughs. That's the best uh, pre-order bonus there possibly could be. Right. uh, as mentioned many times before, since Comixology, Digital Comics, is an Amazon company, uh, you can make your digital comic purchases through our Amazon click-through. Uh, somebody purchased this past week the latest issues of G.I. Joe, Amazing Spider-Man, and I Hate This Place. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thank you to everyone who made purchases this week, this month, this year, this forever. It's always uh, greatly appreciated. Yes, it is. And uh, Mr. Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? We did not have any art attacks this week. All right. Well, let's move on to our TV talk, starting with the series finale of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yes. Um, So since we last left them, uh, Ben Kenobi and the path, the people who helped, like, you know, force sensitive and Jedi people. Jedi's to freedom are being chased by Vader and his uh, Star Destroyer and, you know, just, just pummeling them and Ben knows that he wants him. So he's like, okay. He's like, so he ends up making this plan that he's going to abandon ship um, and let them go. And he knows Vader's, you know, got, he's got a severe mat on for him. So he's going to do it. And then the first uh, guy, what's the name of the, the group, I can't think of. The Inquisitor, the Grand Inquisitor is like, don't do it. Follow, you know, follow them. We can wipe them out all in one fell swoop. But Vader gives in, and he ends up following him. Before Ben leaves, he ends up talking to Leia. He's like, you have to go home. You have to, you know, take care of things. And he ends up, uh, she, he ends up, t- like, she says, like, oh, people are, you know, inspired by Lola, so it's keeping them calm. He's like, boy, I wish I could, you know, use her for a moment. And the nice thing is Leia ends up, putting him in his pocket and he takes it on the ship. So that's nice. He ends up, you know, going to this planet, Vader comes down. They end up having their battle while that's going on. Reva has gone to Tatooine um, to, uh, you know, hunt down uh, Luke because she had found that message. And then their story kind of goes side by side where Aunt Beru and Uncle Owen end up fending off, uh, in in a really cool way, I really like all that. Like they gave their best to try and you know save Luke. He ends up running out into the desert. She chases him. But the real crux of this is uh, Vader and Ben Kenobi going at it, and their fight is absolutely epic. I love it. Vader gets the upper hand. You know, buries him under a ton of rock. 
Ben Kenobi uses the power of thought and love to get out. <laughs> they end up going at it a little bit more. And in a thing where Ben finally gets the upper hand and just like gets, gets, gets over on him and he ends up like busting the helmet open so you could see, uh, you know, Anakin kind of under there. And in one of the best looking things ever or sounding things ever is the voice kept going back in modulation from James Earl Jones to Hayden Christensen back and forth. And I was like, that was perfect. Um, they end up, you know, having a talk where he ends up saying, like, it wasn't you that killed me. It was me who killed me, which ends up, you know, he ends up telling Luke that uh, Darth Vader killed Anakin. A lot of stuff, like, ends up working out of this. Um, and I like, and Ben ends up leaving, and he gets on his ship, and he ends up having this vision that uh, Luke is in trouble, and he goes back uh, to Tatooine in a weird time thing. I'm not sure how that all works, because he gets back pretty fast. Um, but Reva chases Luke out into the desert and she can't bring herself to, to kill him because she has the visions of, uh, Anakin doing it to the younglings when she was a kid. So she ends up like, can I be redeemed kind of thing? You're, you are what you, you know, you make yourself and she ends up, you know, giving up the lightsaber, trying to like redeem herself. And he, he ends up like letting her go and he ends up, uh, meeting Luke at the end, he ends up talking to Owen and Owen's like, you know what? Would you like to meet the boy? So they end up having, he says hello to him. Then Obi-Wan goes into the desert and in a complete shocking move, Qui-Gon Jinn shows up. I never saw it coming. They said he probably wasn't going to be on this show, <laughs> but Liam Neeson ends up showing up as Qui-Gon Jinn as a force ghost. Uh, uh, end of, you know, the first, if they do any more, at least season one of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Okay, so uh, I got a lot of comments. I figured, I just hammered through it, figured you would have stopped me when I took a breath, but I didn't. The only thing I wanted to stop you was when Ben says uh, hi to Luke. He doesn't say hi. He says, hello there. Just Which like is he his, does his, his catchphrase. Which is his catchphrase. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I really could nitpick a lot about this okay there is a bit but I, I will keep my nitpicks to the bad wig that Qui-Gon Jinn was wearing oh. the extensions were ridiculous but it was a force ghost so right you would think a ghost would have a better haircut is all I'm saying right of course it's wig stuff with you I got a lot more I can get into but I will only say this mm-hmm I thought the lightsaber fight was cool. Yep. Uh, I like the way that their individual lightsabers kind of lit the battle. Yep. That being said, I was disappointed with the end of the season. Uh, this is where we run into a problem where we're doing these side shows with main characters. Where the history is set in stone. Where the history is supposed to be set in stone. And there are things that happen in these that wildly fly into the face of recognized canon for 45 plus years. And I'm all with playing a little loose and fast with the timeline if you want to. But when you start doing this with the main characters, this is where like problems come up. And it makes me enjoy what you're currently doing because now I'm trying to make it make sense 
in my head, it's like, well, that's not how things are portrayed in New Hope and Empire and everything else like that. Especially when you do stuff throughout the course of the series that remind me, like, you attempt to, like, beat for beat, like, the Leia interrogation scene from New Hope. You you try to do all these other things that make me think of the other movies. Right. And then you do these things that now don't fit into the the peg holes that you've already established for these other stories and these other everything else. Okay, I, can I ask you a question or do you yes. want to... What contradicts something? I just want to, like, you have your notes. I want to discuss okay. this now. So you get the bit where Obi-Wan gives the blaster holster to Leia, okay? Right. Uh, now, Leia does not have that blaster holster when we see her again. She has a different blaster holster when we see her. So now, the fact that Obi-Wan went through the trouble to specifically give Leia something that was her mother's. To give her this connection. It wasn't that her mother's. Hmm, it wasn't? It was uh, the girl, the girl uh, Tala. Tala. Okay, so we'll take that back. So she, Obi-Wan gives Leia this sentimental thing mm-hmm. that means so much that we never see her have it again. Now, I don't know. I've not, I didn't sit down and watch A New Hope and see if the hoster looks like the one she's wearing in that episode. I could tell you it doesn't. Okay. Maybe uh, she was on a diplomatic mission. She didn't have a holster on it. Sure. Did she? Sure. Um, she did because she had like that like uh, funky long gun that shot the whatever that she shot at like no, some stormtroopers with. I gotcha. So then Obi-Wan meets young Luke Skywalker. This is the one I want to talk about. Okay, go ahead. This flies in the... So not only does it fly in the face of... Owen and Baru wanting to keep Luke away from crazy old Obi-Wan Kenobi because of this stuff, exactly what happened in this episode. So after all this stuff happens, they're like, yeah, sure, you can meet him. Now, granted, we don't see how much more they meet other than Obi-Wan just saying hello there. Mm -hmm. But this now takes away from that first meeting that they end up having in New Hope. Mm -hmm. Whether... Whether uh, Luke was too young to remember it, and again at ten, like my kid remembers stuff that happened to him at four years old, but he doesn't live in a galaxy far, far away. Um, I could, I can imagine after having this um, traumatic experience where they put him behind some blast doors to fight one of the um, uh, what do they call it? Fight Reva? What's Reva's group the called? Inquisitors, against? The Grand Inquisitors. The Inquisitors. Well, one of the Inquisitors. Right. So after this whole thing. Um, so then this old man shows up, you're introduced to him, and then six years later, he acts like he's meeting you for the first time. Okay. Um. Unless, like, in the next series, we get a thing where Obi-Wan gets, like, some sort of concussion, where not only does he not remember his interactions with Leia throughout this whole thing, uh, does not remember meeting Luke but also forgets how to speak to force ghosts. Um, now, to somewhat be fair, I don't know how long you can be a force ghost. I know uh, it makes me think, because I, I go into like the, the, the extended universe stuff, which doesn't count now. 
that they were like, depending on how long you are, how strong you are with the force is how long you can be a force ghost. So like Yoda being super strong is around like all the way into the the sequels and the the, the Skywalker stuff in the the last three movies. I'm like, okay, so like I I can get away from that. Um, I don't remember him saying he. Uh, what is it like? I, I'd have to go back and watch that scene. And now you're kind of making me remember it when he meets him after he's knocked out by the the sand person. But I will say there are people that I met when I was ten with my grandfather that I'm trying to remember to this day. And I'm like, I remember meeting them. I remember going to their farm. I remember meet having all the steam engines they have set up. Can't remember his name. Can't remember what he looks like. But I remember that. And it wasn't that he was attacked by the Grand Inquisitors because they said it was the sand. It was a, another random sand people attack. He's like, the sand people are here. You have to go run and hide. He never sees her face, never sees a lightsaber. So that is kind of like every day on Tatooine. Okay. I'm just saying some stuff. I'm looking at it with, you know. Right. You're being more of an optimist. I'm being more of a... Mm-hmm. Uh, we're playing too fast and loose with main characters. I got I, no. I do agree. I, I don't. Char- Go ahead. Sorry. I have no problem with you inventing a new character like the Mandalorian, mm-hmm. and he fits into the loose narrative of those people, and you could start to build on that little bit of mythology. And if you want to throw a second or third tier character in there to kind of build that sort of things up. Or if you want to have it take place in between four, five, and six, and seven, eight, and nine, I'm okay with that. But when you start kind of messing with stuff that happened in between the prequels and four, five, and six, that's when it ends up being a bridge too far sometimes for me. Right. I just like it because I finally got to see a good, a really good lightsaber battle between Ben Kenobi and Darth Vader. And so. right. And I'll I'll throw this out there as well. Not my original thought, but it helped kind of shape the thought that was in my head in regards to this. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the Red Letter Media people, they put up their review before we recorded of the last two episodes of Obi-Wan. And we know, Ben, Obi-Wan Kenobi knows Anakin Skywalker has no arms and no legs. No arms, no human arms and no human legs, right? Mm -hmm. It's this battle. Obi-Wan says it's either me or him, life or death, whatever it's going to be, right? Right. This is might be my nitpick, but go ahead. Why doesn't Obi-Wan just use, like, his force powers to rip the robotics off of Darth Vader to incapacitate him? Yeah, but that's why doesn't Darth Vader just choke Ben Kenobi? Why doesn't, okay. Okay. you know? Okay, so why doesn't? The way that they use their force powers are a little inconclusive. And it's not just in this series, but it's especially in this series that people literally get run through with lightsabers and live. The main Grand Inquisitor at the end of the first or second episode, Reva sticks him with the lightsaber. He acts like he's dead. But then he's like back like two episodes later. Okay. An episode ago, Vader does the same thing to Reva. Obviously she's not dead, but like we're sticking lightsabers in people and like everyone's just fine. 
Well, here's the thing. We talked about this last week, unless you didn't pay attention to a word I said. Which I is a did, high- but the fact that it's still going on to the inconsistencies in the way that the lightsabers work and the force powers are used. The way it was explained, and it's always been, is like, if you have a problem all with that, then you have a problem with Vader. Because Vader gets cooked alive in lava. Mm-hmm. And he's fine. The way it's explained is, as long as you have hate... You can survive any like Darth Maul gets cut in half and he's he's fine. He falls they, down a reactor core. Yep. They um, bring him back and they give him robotic spider legs. Yep. So the way I'm always like, you have and I said this, I said if if Dooku, if uh I keep forgetting the, the Christopher name Lee. Christopher Lee was alive, if he was not shoot dead, he would be in this in the in this Obi-Wan show with a cyborg body. He and he'd be just, Richard be like, he'd be Richard Nixon in Futurama in this. Yes. He yes. He he'd be that and then we'd be 100 percent fine with it. Um because it, if the good guys have the back to tank to get them through, <laughs> the bad guys have the 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 power of the dark side to get them through. Nobody dies, Joe. But isn't the dark side supposed to not be as powerful as the light side? No, it's supposed to be more powerful. Even mm. though uh, Yoda says no, more powerful, quicker, faster, more seductive, or whatever. But yeah. I always felt it was more powerful because the more you like, you burned <laughs> alive, you hurt, so you hate, so you you get stronger. You know, you're burnt. Like it's a constant cycle of hate because I hate being, uh, uh, you know, a charcoal briquette. You know. And then I will say, mm. Vader gets his helmet smashed up right. so that we could validate giving Hayden Christensen a paycheck. Right, except for that sword fight younger thing. But uh, That was, see, anyway. Ugh. But I less, will less say. Less about that, the better. I gave it a pass last week because it played into the whole storyline, whatever. Um, how does he go and explain to the Emperor that he needs a new helmet? The same way he explains he needs a new Death Star. <laughs> yes, I don't know. I would but, say that as a failure. Uh, and I think Vader would probably need to be punished for this. Right. Um, yeah, and like my big thing like, is a lot of little nitpicks that I can extrapolate on for hours and hours. Right. I, but, but my main thing is, is just when you're playing too fast and loose with our main characters from the original uh, trilogy. Mm-hmm. And you're kissing up so close to when the timeline is supposed to happen. It's mess. It's just like, I, I, it doesn't sit right with me. Good, good. It doesn't sit right with you. Now, here's my only nitpick. And I know we've been on the show for a long time, but hey, it's our Qui-Gon Jinn's wig. I know. Yes. No, no. It's um, the thing when uh, they have the battle and, you know, he's got, he's pretty much got Darth Vader on his knees, like ready to like, like on his last gasp for breath. Why does Obi-Wan walk away? He just walks away. It's like, this guy's part of the galactic Nazis. Like take him out. Like it's, it's not hard. And he ends up leaving and then he gets in the ship and he has the vision of Luke being in trouble. Swap that before he gets in the ship, he's ready to take, Darth Vader down, and he's like, oh my god, I have to go save Luke. Like, I got two choices, either save the kid or 
take out uh, Darth Vader slash Anakin Skywalker. That would make sense. Him just walking away is it, that's my biggest nitpick in the whole series. He has to walk away because he has to walk away to get where we are in New Hope. And like, there's a thousand ways you can have it, but you don't. He just goes, eh, battle's over. I won. No, kill him. Like, come on. But either way, that's, it, you know, neither here nor there. I, now, and again, I'm not going to defend it because Obi-Wan essentially says, like, it's either he, it's either him or me. I need to tell them I'm going there to kill Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. And then he has the chance to do it and doesn't. But at the end of part three, when Darth Vader is on fire and has no arms and no legs, Obi-Wan just walks away and says, ah, that's good enough. Yep. Uh, this, this, this won't come back and bite me in the rear end. And then when he has the chance here at the end of this to right the wrong from the end of part three, he just walks away again. He ain't close. He ain't closing business, Joe. I'm just saying, just sticking somebody through with the lightsaber and saying, that's the end of that chapter. Yep. It happened six times in your series alone, let alone in the history of things. Anyway. Uh, Obi-Wan has proven himself to be a failure th- due right. to his own TV show. Metachlorines are for closers, Joe. <laughs> right, and where's the talk of metachlorians? That's all that's, that's what I wanted more of. Hot metachlorine talk. Yes. But I think we did Obi-Wan to death. So I think we did. I could br- I could go through Miss Marvel real quickly, only because this was kind of like a lighter, more establishing episode. Mm-hmm. Not tons of plot stuff. We seem to have a lot of less of the school stuff, which I enjoy a lot more than the family stuff. uh, Because a lot of the episode was around uh, Kamala's brother's wedding. Yeah. So um, the the cute boy from last episode, we meet his mother and the group of people that she's with who are the clandestines, which is a group in Marvel Comics, is it not? Yes, it is. Okay. So... Uh, they essentially have it set up that they're just trying to get back to their own dimension and Kamala could help them, but it would be at great risk physically to her. So and she the world. And the world. So she kind of drags her feet a little bit on doing it. And their whole plan was never to give her the choice. Their plan was just to force her to do it. Right. Uh, they show up at the wedding. Kamala pulls the fire alarm to get everyone out of there. Um... And we do have it established at the beginning of the wedding that the wedding band is Brown Jovi. Yep. So that when they play, uh, what's the Bon Jovi song uh, during the fight sequence? I forget because Bon Jovi is very generic. How dare you? Uh, So Kamala holds herself very well against four full-grown adults that seem to have combat training where she's just a teenage girl with some undefined and untested superpowers. Uh, so I was a little like, eh, she should have like kind of maybe not done so well against these guys, you know? Right. Um, not to, not to say that she trounced them, but she was holding her own for a lot longer than she should have with being outnumbered four to one, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but she's saved when, like we saw before at the end of episode two, where she saw the vision of the woman and that kind of gave her pause. This time we see the vision of the train, and as she gets home, the grandmother calls her and says, you need to come here, because whatever that vision you just saw, I saw it at the same time you saw it. Right. 
Um, and the song was Living on a Prayer. There you go. Uh, this is what I'll say about the episode. I knew I knew it wasn't Runaway. <laughs> right. Um, uh, two things that I absolutely loved. Um, uh, that the fact that they had the wedding and obviously they, that their uh, culture has the dancing at the wedding. I really liked. And I liked the fact that it wasn't choreographed to the like, like minutia. If you get it, like they looked like they were, you know, they weren't dancers. Like other shows would be like, we're going to turn this into a musical number. Yeah. We're going like, to do sing- like the Bollywood production. Right. Making it awkward and people doing like weird dances and stuff like that. I'm like, this is all fantastic. I really love this because it did it, it wasn't produced to death. Um, and the other thing is when she's talking to her religious mentor, I don't know the, like the name of, you know, but she's like, you, you know, what if, you know, they're after this, you know, and she's saying like a brown superhero. And she's like, yeah, that's the life we have to lead. And, you know, they're going to go after it. It's like, but what if she's a good person? And she's like, it's not, I forget how he write. I should have wrote it down where he's like, it's good. Isn't what a person is good is what a person does. And to me, like, cause they are just copying an A getting an A with Spider-Man. That's going to turn out to be her with great power comes great responsibility. And I'm fine with it. I really like that scene. Um, because I like Kamal and everything, but overall I'm with you, like holding, holding your own against six trained or five tra- or whatever, that they were way too charismatic in the beginning of the episode and everything. Um, now they're the villains, whatever. I'm just like, ah, this was my, maybe my least favorite episode of the, of the, like, I was like, okay, let's just, we could have whittled this down to maybe 20 minutes and, and had the same effect if you know what I mean. So yeah, sure. That's all I got to say about Miss Marvel. Still was a good episode. Still enjoyed it. Yep. Uh, so then, of course, we have uh, the episode of the boys to talk about. Yeah. Not much happened. Oh, boy. Well, um, <laughs> where do we begin? Um, let's start with uh, Kamiko and Frenchie, because that's real easy. Yeah, because a lot of times we do these episodes and we kind of go like all over the place with them. Right. Um, I'll take point on Kamiko and Frenchie, and then I'll kind of let you handle some of the other stuff. Um, so uh, they end up kidnapping Kamiko, uh, the Russians, Nina, I believe her name is. And they end up uh, the girl that she wanted to that ran off with her money uh, is there. And Kamiko, they're both tied to chairs and they bring in Frenchie and in, you know, ingenious use of a bike lock, which I've never seen before. Um, they end up, you know, uh, Connecting his neck to this beam, which just looked uncomfortable. And he tells him, you have to kill. You choose one of them. I'm killing one of them. Um, and Kamiko ends up using a popsicle stick, which they. I'm glad they got the joke on the popsicle stick because I was, you know, worrying that we would never get the finish of it. She breaks free and ends up in Joe. This scene hurt me. Hurt me, hurt me, hurt me. Um, just a bloodbath. Uh, Kamiko ends up doing it and she gets, uh, gets all beat up, but Nina gets away. Nina won't be a problem after this. Uh, she's probably going to run and never come back. Um, but Kamiko ends up going with Frenchie and saying like, it was never the, 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 the powers. It was me. I'm the monster. Um, and I thought that was a really good moment. For the two of them. And, and, and everything that gets crazy in this episode, it was a nice down moment. And Kamiko is, and I'll get to it later, rooting for. Everybody yes. 
kind of like you're all dirt bags. You're all dirt bags except for a couple coming up uh, when we get to the hero some part of this. So I will um, say, of course, uh, you know, Kamiko is the only one who's not a dirt bag. We talked about uh, Kamiko and Frenchie's thing where everyone else in the episode uh, ends up convening on is what the episode title is, which is Herogasm. Right. And they're all very concerned that and when they get there, that Frenchie's going to be very sad that he's missing this. And I was sad that he missed it, too. I'm very sad that he missed that as well. I feel as though if anyone really would have appreciated it, it would have been him. Mm-hmm. So we get... Um, okay, so A-Trains... Well, so everyone ends up at Herogasm. Through a series of events, yes. Through a series of their own whatevers, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the word gets back to Homelander that Soldier Boy is alive. Yeah. Uh, Homelander refuses to believe it. Uh, Huey and Butcher are helping Soldier Boy take out the rest of his team. Okay. Yep. Uh, and obviously, once they're done, once Soldier Boy's done doing that, then he is going to go help them. Frenchie or uh, uh, Butcher and Huey go kill Homelander. Now, mm-hmm. when word of this comes out at Vaught Towers, Black Noir leaves, go in, goes into the elevator, takes his tracking chip out of his arm, gives it to the woman in the elevator, and then he's gone. Yep. Uh, when word of that gets back to Homelander, that's the first time that maybe we see Homelander realizes that everything's not going to go the way that he hoped it would be. And he confides in the only person that he can trust himself where we get the bit where he's talking to himself and he's giving himself the pep talk, the version of himself that's in the mirror uh, that essentially is telling him that no matter how hard he tries and everything else that he does, he still has that little tiny bit inside of him that is still human. Mm -hmm. No matter how shriveled up that may be, that's going to be his downfall. Yep, and he's going to help cut that little piece out. Yes. Joe, and I want to say in this, I always say give Homelander all the Emmys. That bit in there, like like we know what Homelander is and what he's capable of, but I still kind of feel bad for Homelander at a point because he like I understand he's a man child. Uh, but the scene where he's like like when the that that power voice that he's got is like who got you through when you were locked in that room as a kid? Who got you through? And I'm like locked in a room. Like maybe that's why he's what he is. You know what I mean? Like maybe it's not his fault. Uh, no, I like I know Homelander's a dirtbag, but that's the power of the show. Is like it's where you're at at any given moment in the show, how you feel about them. Like I know Soldier Boy's a dirtbag. He's a misogynist. He's uh he's homophobic. He's all this. But he's my best bet at taking out Homelander. So I like him for now. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's where I am with Homelander. I felt bad for him for a split second. And that's the power of the writing and the acting on the show. And, and I'll say this about uh, Soldier Boy. This is, I think, the first full episode that we get of Soldier Boy, like, in the episode. Like, we've got bits and pieces of him a little bit. But he's in pretty much all of this episode, right? Yep. 
And uh, what's his? Uh, what's this uh, actor's name? Jensen uh, Ackles or something like that. He's really good. Yes, he is. Um, and just like the little scenes and stuff when him and Huey are interacting in the apartment, and Huey asks him like, "What happened in downtown?" And he doesn't really want to give up the information, but he lets him know that he blacked out. And he doesn't give. Hopefully, somebody figures out what the cue is. What this thing is that's going to cause, um, that causes, uh, Soldier Boy to go into these fugue states and his power to uh, activate against his will because it already happened twice. One time nobody was there for it. Another time people were there for it. Hopefully they could figure out what's causing it, and our heroes could either make sure that it doesn't happen when he's taking on Homelander. Or once he takes down Homelander, they could use it to take Soldier Boy down. Wait a minute, they're gonna take Soldier Boy down after Homelander? I assume that has no. to be the plan. Right. And that's where one of my problems comes into this. Not problems, but I get it. I, like the story's well written. Is like because MM is having the fight with Butcher because they end up Starlight and and uh, and uh, MM end up at Herogasm. By the way, my new team that I'm rooting for, besides Kamiko, MM and Starlight are the two like seem to be like the last two good ones. Yes. Um uh and when he's mad at Butcher, he's like, "So you get to He even says he's like, "You get to use Soldier Boy to take down uh you know, the man you hate, but we don't take him down." And I'm like, as much as MM has hate and we find out why, which is total legit, I'm like, MM, well, I think, well, I think best... we knew, you know, obviously we knew, but I didn't think we know the depth of how far it went. Like the very specific story right. of how his family was killed by uh soldier boy. Right. Up to this point, this is what we knew. And I like this because it gets deeper. It's like a layer. It's like an onion. It's got layers. We, he's like, my father died hunched over a desk trying to figure out how to get Vought to pay over what had happened. And I was like, oh, he was mad because the father died. And it was no, it was because they he threw the car through the house, killing the grandfather, and then the father, you know, so there's a little bit more every time. And then that's what gives MM his OCD, which I really liked. And the way he explains, I'm like, this is brilliant with him and Starlight in the car. And they go... And I'm kind of like, and he ends up going, oh, you get to you, you get to kill this guy, but I don't get to kill my guy. And I'm like, MM, calm down. We have to take Homelander out first. Then we could figure out how to take out Soldier Boy. It's like five against one is better than two against one. And I'm like, it's crazy, but it makes sense because I'll everybody has in their heart is eight at this point. So but sorry, I went off way off topic there. It's quite all right. Uh, so deep is, so, uh, they figure out that soldier boys, the person next on soldier boys hit list is the, uh, TNT twins. Yep. I, I keep wanting to say trigger twins or wonder twins, but it's the TNT twins. <laughs> right. Uh, they, the TNT twins don't like each other, but it's a relationship of convenience. They're also the ones that are hosting, um, hero gasm. Herogasm uh, this year. So the Deep is there to scout things out just to make sure that there's nothing going on. And of course, uh, he is going to report back to Homelander uh, just in case Soldier Boy shows up. Uh, Huey says, let me go in. Give me three minutes. 
Um, you know, obviously we want to make sure that there's no collateral damage. We get that you're here to kill the TNT twins and we'll allow that, but there's a lot of other innocent people here. Please leave them all alone. And obviously as soon as that discussion is happening, I'm like, everyone's going to die and it's going to be a disaster. It's going to be a giant mess. Here we go. Um, Huey is there interacting with a bunch of different people. He finds the deep who has found someone to connect with, uh, literally and figuratively. Uh, but it's not what it looks like. Um, he also has his confrontation with a train, a train, uh, what blue Hawk did to a train's brother. Maybe the thing that makes a train no longer be a scumbag. Not that it matters. Because he wants there to be real retribution for what Blue Hawk did. Um, and again, I feel bad. I always forget her name. Ashley. Ashley. Great. Like, she's great in every episode. But she was, like, double great in this episode. Oh, when he goes to her, A-Train now, goes to Ashley and is like, I want Blue Hawk's head on a platter. Like, we did all this. And she's like, do you know how much stuff I covered? And they go through the list of the stuff that she covered he, She covered up for him. Killing Huey's girlfriend. Killing Pop Claw. Going down the list. And she's like, and you're going to, like, get out of here with that hypocrisy. And then she rips the hair out of her head. And that, Joe, like, made me, like, cringe. Cringe. There's only one thing in this episode that made me cringe more. So, but, yeah. Just that whole interaction. And then when he meets Huey in the at Herogasm, and they talk, and Huey, of course, Huey's on point, trying to make sure everybody's safe, until he gets to confront A-Train with powers, and he has to go off script, and he, but uh, A-Train gives him a genuine, genuine uh, apology. I was shocked by that. But, I will throw the caveat in there, yes, we know, after everything that we've seen A-Train go through, that that is a genuine uh, apology, but Huey has no reason to accept that. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, but again, all that being said, um, we do finally get uh, Soldier Boy shows up. He confronts the Trigger Twins, TNT Twins. They sell Black Noir down the river, saying that he's the one who planned to take every, you know, to take him out, to take Soldier Boy out. Uh, at the party, he hears some Russian pop music, and that's what triggers him to have his fugue state. Lucky Love Sausage was there listening to it. Poor, poor guy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> obviously, this was a little bit more contained. People were killed, but a lot more people were maimed, it looked like. Mm-hmm. And Starlight shows up with M.M. And it's like, we need to go after them. Uh, M.M. even attempts to take out some of his aggressions on Butcher. But Butcher is jacked up on Compound V. So none of it is working. But not that it matters because we get the big knockdown dragout battle uh, with Soldier Boy, Homelander, Huey, and Butcher. And even though they seemingly had Homelander dead to rights, he got away. Yep, I love the bit where he comes in and he just pops Butcher with the heat vision and he's like, ah, we're good. And he gets back up and he and comes in, clocks him, and Homelander has that look of recognition. He's like, what have you done? Yeah. What have you done? And then they go toe-to-toe. In one of the best superhero fights I've seen in a long time, 
And I do like when they have the number on him and Butcher's like, Huey, leave. I got this. And Huey's like, nope. I want him just as bad as you do. Um, And it goes awry. And that's interesting. And then it comes down to the ending, which is like the beginning because it's like a po- it's poetry. It rhymes, Joe. In the beginning, they do that terrible Imagine video yes. that Gal Gadot did. And it was painful to watch in a good way, in a good way. And they're using social media and they have Patton Oswalt and they have like, you know, Mina Kunis. And I'm, I'm dying. Like it's hurting watching. And then we cut to the end and it's got Starlight doing the thing, doing social media, but it's completely different. And she's telling the, st- the story of like how all the heroes are dirtbags, what happened at Herogasm. And you're watching the followers click up to like 9 million, 10 million, 11 million. And she's doing it. And all the little things are popping up on the screen. Like what happened? Who did what to what? And she's like, and in the end, I'm no longer Starlight. I'm Annie January. I'm like, Oh, this is not, and Homelander is like evil. I'm like, this is not going to go well, but oh my God. And then we even missed uh, the head popper. Had a, it, it, right. Uh, it, I was, I was going to bring it back to that because uh, Annie uh, Starlight has the sit down with um, uh, you say the head popper. Uh, I forget what her name is. Right. Victoria or whatever, where Victoria is like, Hey, you join up with me and we'll be able to take Homelander down together. And you could see Annie like, I've been here before. I've been the one pitching this to someone else. How many times? Mm-hmm. It doesn't work because no one is trustworthy enough to do this. Right. Anytime that I try to get someone on my side, they end up stabbing me in the back and being just as big as a scumbag, if not a bigger scumbag, than Homelander himself. Right. So I, I'm not going to do it. And when she gave... Uh, Victoria that speech I'm like she's gonna do it Starlight's gonna be the one that takes Homelander down yep and I like that as she's leaving like Victoria's like don't don't tell anybody about this because she ends up admitting that she's the head popper and goes like you know what let's keep this between us like because once again somebody on Twitter described the show as the boys like why does everybody like the boys it's just 60 minutes of people blackmailing each other and I'm like, that's not a bad description of this show. And, you know, I love it, but it's not a bad description. And as she's leaving, she's like, you know what? Don't tell anybody or I'm going to kill Huey. And she ends up giving her the hint of a nosebleed. Yeah. I'm like, just, they do so much with so little. Do you know what I mean? Like, when somebody explodes, it goes off the charts. But sometimes when you just have that hint of like, eh, I'm going to give you this. And there's subtlety. And then there's Garth Ennis, you know, uh, over the topness, and both work in this show. And I like the way they can balance it perfectly. It's a pretty good show, that boys. Yeah. Um, and, and I think I saw somebody else, a friend of mine, uh, was kind of comparing this to Preacher, the TV yep. show. Yep. And obviously, I didn't read the boys, so I don't have that same sort of thing coming into it like I did with preacher with this sort of critique um and that sort of thing but uh i i think if i read the comic book i might have a different idea or feeling or something regarding all of this i think that all the time too because right around this storyline in the book is where i checked out i got to hero gasm in the book 
Right. And that was because I remember that's when the book to me Steiner kind of felt like they were stretching things because they did the ongoing book. And then like there was a mini that was involved in Hero Gasm. And I was like, ah, this is too much and whatever. Um, so I and I completely forgot everything I had learned other than one or two things. So I'm going into this fresher with no expectations. And we had this conversation before. It's why I kind of, I worry myself and we're not doing it on the show for Sandman. And that's what happened to me with Preacher to a lesser extent than you. You know what I mean? It's like, you have expectations. You can't, you can't not when you're, when you're reading and wa- watching some of this, your favorite stuff that you read. Correct. But, uh, but that being said, I need to, future see which comic books are going to get made into tv shows Mm -hmm. so i don't read the comic books right so that i can watch the tv shows and enjoy those yeah and i can enjoy you enjoying those (laughs) but uh yeah so we just have the um whatchamacallit we now we're just down to uh miss marvel and the boys for a couple weeks yep and then next weekend, we have the uh, Thor movie, Thor 4, as I call it. Right, right, right. I'm looking forward to Thor 4, so we'll see what happens. Yes. You know, I'm not going to not gonna dream book anything, but there's a couple of things that I want to see happen. But, uh-huh. So we'll see. And you said you're going to, you, so you'll probably definitely see it before. Uh, no, because we'll have the, that'll be two weeks out. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I'm jumping the gun. I'm jumping the gun. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, so that closes things up for episode 612 of Longbox Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying thanks for listening, and we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.